Hello and welcome to Manga Spin, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by me, Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplain.com. And as you can probably tell by this intro, it is my week this week. And this week we are going once again into the wonderful, sparkly, flowery land of Jose Manga. This time we're reading two volumes, much to Chip's chagrin. But but it's important. The second volume is important. (laughs) It is The Untouchable Midori-kun, Volumes 1 and 2, by Toyo Toyota. Before we get too much further with it, let me read the description. (laughs) Talk about meet-cutes. Misaki doesn't recognize her cute new neighbor when he comes to formally introduce himself, until he reminds her that they went to school together for years. But Midori Tachibana is no longer the awkward kid she remembers. He's the leader of Japan's hottest new idol group. But their fated meeting is cut short when he finds out that she's an adult film actress, and he can't be seen with her if he's to preserve his squeaky clean idol image. But can the chemistry between them be so easily erased? A sex-positive, sweet idol rom-com for fans of Tokyo Tarareba Girls and ex-enthusiasts. So. Wait, did you say sex-enthusiasts? Ex-enthusiasts. ex Which I've never read. Okay. I don't know why they put that on the description, because I've not read that one. But Sorry, what is mm-hmm. an ex-enthusiast? I don't know. Like an like single letter X? E-X. Oh, E-X. X, like your ex-boyfriend enthusiast. Oh, weird. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they called out that book. Sorry, is that a book title? Ex-Enthusiast? I've never even... Yeah, that's... You guys are are so out of the loop on manga. This is really... (laughs) I tell you, it's... Could someone manga explain this to me? It's early here. (laughs) 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 There's another manga called Ex-Enthusiasts. Okay. Is there? I, I couldn't yeah, hear the italics in Deb's voice when, when she said ex enthusiast there. <laughs> so I didn't know it was a proper title. Normally I hear italics. Yeah. I can, I can mm, uh, smell yes, bulbs as well, actually. <laughs> Those have really good covers. I, I haven't actually read ex enthusiasts, but I've seen them, you know, around. Oh, I'll have to look this up. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we are digressing. <laughs> Is it? It's a romantic comedy. Well, not really, are we? <laughs> <laughs> it's typical manga explaining so far. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. We're a little punchy. <laughs> yeah, this was a book that I picked up on a whim, and then I found myself really loving it and recommending it to people for a bunch of reasons. Partly because it was funny, the art wasn't like you know blowing me away, but the the way that it made fun of itself just kind of kicker for me was the roses, the yeah. sparkly roses. Mm. So I figured now that we've read Rosa Versailles. And we've seen the full-on original sparkly roses thing. I thought maybe we could understand the humor and the joy of the untouchable Midori-kun. But I will ask our most resistant to shoujo person (laughs) what he thought of it. Do tell, David Brothers, what did you think of this one? (laughs) I am resistant to shoujo, but I like Jose. Mm. So I like this Mm. one. There was a moment, you know, on the first page, I was like, oh, man, this art's kind of generic. I don't know where they're going with this. And then on the second page, her like squinting caricature kind of <laughs> sold me on finishing the book at the very least, even if I wasn't super into it. But the story kind of caught me a little bit because I've read this kind of story before, but not like written and drawn for an audience of mostly women. Mm-hmm. You know, usually these my neighbors of porn star story is for like. I was going to say gross dudes, but I guess that's kink shaming. 
<laughs> but you know what I mean. Like there's there's like a level of like pornographic aesthetic yeah. to these kinds of mm. stories. Gross dudes, but magazines. gross is positive. Yeah. Gross doesn't have to be like, negative. Gross is a neutral descriptor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like when like when we use yeah. grotesque on the Baki episode. Yeah. Like gross dudes, you know. Yeah, exactly like, like gross that. Like literary dudes. gross. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, those stories very much are like either how can I sleep with as many women as possible for utterly selfish reasons or all of these women want to sleep with me and I'm either super into it or not into it at all. And they're both like different kinds of power fantasies. Mm. Mm. And I like how this one was, this guy is super hot, has no boundaries, and he's a little dumb, but he still <laughs> won't sleep with me. So mm. like there's this whole like seduction and kind of, what's it called when you like withhold something from someone? Like basically, Delayed he's making her want him even more. Yeah, he's I think there's yeah. definitely a bit of that. Yeah, for sure. And some of the jokes were like legit funny. Yeah, I had a good time with this one. Even took a few screenshots. We can talk about later. Oh, nice. Let's see. Let's ask Chris what he thought of this one. I will play the chip roll this week and just echo David. Entirely. What does that mean? Oh. Did David okay, say something? Right. Yeah, okay. What David said. That sounds great. <laughs> we coordinate before the show. It's about yeah. Well, it's it's good yeah, that I'm exactly. good that I'm sandwiched in there because yeah. yeah now he's gonna have to change everything he was gonna say. We'll see how this goes. Oh so, no! Yeah, quick, quick, rewrite your notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was I believe some of the Baki episode like three times trying to get the show notes done and just not done. And I. Started off the episode by going, this is trash. <laughs> and this is also trash, but it's more trashy, which I think I kind of love actually as well. It it just I just had so much fun with it. It's it doesn't take a lot of brain power. It is incredibly light. Even they start to like tiptoe up to serious issues and then just sort of like do a prat fall on them. It, it's pretty fun yeah. for that. Like, hmm, it, it's a fun time. And I laughed out loud a couple times. There are some amazing little throwaway gag panels. The one, I, I know we, we should probably save it out of the intro, but the one where he, I think it's in the second volume, is like, oh, and I, I had a crush on you back then. Everyone knew that I had a crush on you. And she's like, really? And she's like, even my dog knew that I had a crush on you. And then there's the little inset drawing of the wiener dog that's just like, I knew. <laughs> it's like, I died yeah, yeah. when that came up. I actually screen yeah. that one. I was going to the show notes for sure. But yeah, it's like, it starts off and you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. But I had read the first chapter because Deb made me because she was referencing the roses and something else we were doing, the sentient weirdo roses always appearing behind him because it's a sho <laughs> shoujo hero. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think this is like a fun one that could be rewritten to be like a tense, sane psychological thriller, <laughs> like, <laughs> but is not. It is super not. It keeps it so light at all times. So yeah, and I will say I got to the end of the second volume, and we'll talk about that in a sec. And I, I couldn't deal. I just went and read the third one. I needed to know what happened. His second volume is on a hell of oh, a Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> I am up to date, and I was kind of like, oh, three of three, it says on Amazon. It's not three of three. There's there's more to come. Kodansha has a fourth to-be-determined cover-up on their website, so I'm kind of annoyed at that because I thought I was like getting the resolution, and no, nah, it's just going to keep going. Would you call that an anticlimax? I... The third volume is weird. The third volume mm. has a really different 
texture than the first two, and I liked it. I can't really spoil the third volume because it only says we're talking about one and two, but it's not an anti-climax. They Is really like get into these or something. It's like they really get into these ideas of like it got more grown up, whatever. But it then yeah. it but it also pulls back too, and is like fluffy. It's like oh my god, this is the fluffiest manga, so fluffy. <laughs> oh, and yeah, also shout out what David said to the the expressions, like the crazy ass like expressions and like faces she pulls in this are like almost yeah. like One Punch Man <laughs> level at, at a couple points. That was like shocking for a Jose manga. Yeah, I have a lot to say about the art, actually. So, so, yeah, no, I totally dug it, which means, I guess, Chip, did you hate it? I'm so torn right now because <laughs> I agree with David, but I disagree with Chris all the time. So I'm just going to go right down the middle. I, I I liked it. I agree with both of you. Like, the expressions and, like, the one-off gags were really solid. If it wasn't for those, I probably wouldn't like the book. Like, I found the... Mm. Uh, I'm starting to get used to the style of these stories hmm. almost any story with a male female relationship has kind of the same kind of dynamic in which the female character is like oh oh my god ah, what does this mean ah, what does that mean like frantic while the guy's just like cool and dense and not noticing or whatever or or a jerk at least this guy wasn't a jerk i'm, I'm starting to get used to that kind of yeah. play <laughs> in these stories <laughs> and it wasn't as bad in this one but it's still enough just just slightly enough to annoy me <laughs> It's funny because it's like I liked, I liked when she would like kind of like get her get her horny levels up or whatever, mm-hmm. and have the the kind of the wolf imagery. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was really funny, <laughs> but by the third time, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, like we keep going to this point, and then you know she can't help herself and try and make another move. But obviously, you know the cliffhanger at the end of volume two. I, I was almost interested enough to keep going to volume three, like Chris, but but not quite enough mm-hmm. to, to see what happens. One of the funniest, uh, there are some really good panels. I really liked when she is about to say, did you pop a boner? Yes. His, his yeah. hand covers the panel and her face. I, <laughs> there's some really smart, fun things in in this book. Yeah, it's, it's very light in the drawing. Like As soon as they went to a concert, I'm like, oh, how how are they going to handle this? Yeah, so many ways of cropping out people and like you know <laughs> handling large crowds. Like, okay, I, I respect that. They still manage to show enough to be like, okay, you get the feeling of a concert. One thing I noticed, and this is something. Uh, there've been a couple of books with this a style thing hmm. that was jarring to me, but there's a real art thing where these these dudes have like tiny heads, tiny little pointy chins, and then giant thick necks. <laughs> and I'm, I'm and I was I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh my god, they, they 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 they're doing it again. But then I start to really kind of focus on the silhouettes and realize that they're penises. These guys are actually penises. <laughs> I'm gonna need like, a citation. Midori- I'm gonna need a citation for the show notes. Sorry, look at Midori Kun throughout this, especially any kind of like three quarter angle, like even Page the hair. 64. Oh, different. Even the hair, the way they've shaped his hair, it's very much a penis head. Very much a penis head, uh, and whenever you get like the real, the real thick neck look, it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that is, that is a, a penis. Have we uncovered the secret of Jose manga? I thought you were going to call out the big ears, but oh, you surprised me. No, no, I mean, I like the big ears, but yeah, 
yeah, I couldn't stop seeing these dickheads everywhere <laughs> on, on, on every page. Oh my god, is this like those marble ads where they would have like penis, subtle penis? Like, yeah, yeah, I just kind of slip in the the, the imagery. Oof. But one of my f- favorite unintentionally funny moments in this was when she was thinking about Midori-kun. And she goes, it's so strange. I have so much fun when I'm with Midori-kun. I'm like, this guy is the least fun guy I think I've ever come across. <laughs> he's just like he's just like this blank dude that just kind of comes in, won't touch her. We'll just kind of like talk about how much he has to work at being an idol. And she's just like, I just have so much fun when I'm with him. Like, what? He's shown up at your apartment like three times and uh, it's gone horribly each time. I thought that was very funny and a big disconnect between what they were trying to do and what they were actually doing. Yeah, when it gets a little serious at the end, where she's got the whole thing about like her smiling face and saying that's all she's good for, I was like, that felt a little kind of out of nowhere. Mm. I'm sure they explore it more later and it kind of retroactively makes more sense. But I'm just like, oh, okay, you're trying to make this serious now, but like you didn't really lay the groundwork enough to have that moment land because she seems very self-aware. Mm. up until that point and then delivering with a smile like this is all i'm good for i'm like ah, look okay all right yeah mm. yeah it pays off a little bit in volume three mm. okay I'll say that. but yeah i mean I, I i did like it i think overall it's not not my jam but there are enough jokes and really kind of smart fun techniques in it that kind of raise it to the level of enjoyable mm. for me mm. so I mean, this is her first series. That's what I figured out. Like, this is her first serialized mm. series. That's impressive. And, it's, and, and some of the art looks a little retro to me, like a little retro shoujo. Like it, yeah. But like, you know, like, like in the Clear Moonlit Dusk, that Mika Yamamori can draw. Like, wow, mm. her art is gorgeous. This one is kind of more, mm, just kind of fun. But she yeah. has fun with it, you know? So it, it's okay that it's not like, beautifully executed it's just goofy <laughs> yeah there's there's some consistency issues like i i think the mm. secondary boy band the mean guy oh soji yeah 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 he, he he tends to change a lot kind of throughout i noticed like there wasn't a lot of consistency with how he was drawn but yeah i just recently went down the boy band rabbit hole which is <laughs> really bad is that is is that a boy band rabbit hole <laughs> it kind of is it probably is. I mean, thankfully, I haven't spent much money on it, so I'm still safe. <laughs> Wait, much money? Ooh. <laughs> much no, no. money? Good, good. No, no, I haven't, bu- I haven't bought any fan. No fan goods. No DVDs. Yeah. Nothing. I have bought some songs on iMusic, though, hmm. so that's about the extent of it. Like, I started watching two shows. One is called Boys Planet, and the other one's called Peak Time, and it's like these Korean reality shows about boy bands. Hmm. And one is all these young guys from half of them are from the rest of the world and half of them are for Korea and they battle it out to be the top nine to be a brand new boy band. The other one called Peak Time is about a bunch of boy bands who have never quite made it. Either they're Oof. never quite got the got the hype they didn't want it after they debuted, or they joined the military and then they broke up, mm. or things like that. So some of them are very young, some are very old, and they said this is their second chance to make it big. So watching these things, I started getting into like, oh, I didn't know there's this whole vocabulary of boy band, Korean boy band things. <laughs> like there's this, 
there's the killing part, like the guy who gets to sing the best part of the song. Mm. Like where he gets to be really sexy. It's like, and they all battle. Like, okay, I'm going to get the killing part, and then you're going to get rap one, and I'm going to get sub rap two. And it's like, there's a killing. That's what they call it. Mm. Wow. I like that. And then they have a whole name for like the young character, like the youngest boy in the band who is everyone thinks is really cute and wants to be their mom. So reading Midori kun, and like as the series goes on, you're starting to meet more of the boys. Mm-hmm. Like you meet Soji, and then in volume three, you meet the cute one who isn't so cute <laughs> mm. and it gets more fun, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess, cause I started to understand what that world is like. Cause before that I was totally making fun of my cousin who went to all the BTS concerts over mm. the last three years. Like she's five years older than me, which makes her over 60 now. <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry, Carolyn. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> But she flew to LA, she went to Las Vegas, she's seen all the BTS stuff, and she fangirls out over these boys who are like, I gotta say it, 40 years younger than her. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, good for her. Yeah, it's hard for me to get my mind around it. The older I get, the less I'm, I'm inclined towards consuming any kind of entertainment material produced by anyone under the age of 30. <laughs> Actually, you know, a great example of what Deb's talking about is when the lady in this goes to the store and buys a thousand dollars worth of DVDs and movies and CDs mm, to get yeah. like, familiar with what they're doing. A very Deb like, move. That's a Deb move. Because <laughs> that's that's why you need the older fans, boys. Yeah, we got the money. Mm. <laughs> Sugar mama, but it's all just DVDs, CDs, plushies. Amazing. <laughs> I love Deb, it. Why did you try this one? Like, what got you in the door? It was just random. Like it just kind mm. of popped up in my feed, and I thought, "Oh, this looks. This could. I mean, I read the synopsis, and I thought it could be fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I read a ton of this stuff, right? I consume this, like you know, cows eat grass, mm. and I just it's no no skin off my back. But this one I liked a lot because one, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Two, the the female character was very sex positive, mm. yeah. without being super like fan servicey sexy, mm. like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the fact that she's a porn star, but she's not sleazy and she's not broken. She's proud of her work. And everyone at her job kind of go like, yeah, you know, good job today. You know, kind of like Fred Flintstone, you know, clocking in the stone card at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not like gross porn star. Like, oh, you know, the, the manager's sleazy and the, the people are gross. And mm. it's everyone just seemed to be just doing a job. Yeah. And, she, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I, I do this work and it's made me good money and I'm proud of it. And we don't even really see it's it. Like, I like, like that. You see a little, you see tiny bits of it, but it's not. You see, uh, you see, yeah, just, just little bits, but like, you know, the the most risque kind of parts of the story is like her just kind of unbuttoning her shirt a bit more than yeah. you'd expect. This is like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's like if you compare it like with Udase Yatsura, right? Where, or Lum. Where Lum is like, darling, and she's like all over him, right? all over the boy, right? Where this mm-hmm. one, she's like, you like me, I like you, let's have sex, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. remarkably yeah. mature in how it like treats sex work and how it treats like female desire and how it treats the female characters on the page, too. 
I mean, I don't know that we've read a proper like women's comic, which is to say, hmm. uh, oh no, we did. We read uh, what was the one? It was the sponsored read from Viz that was just like, oh, Yakuza, oh, yeah, lover. lover, Yakuza lover. Yeah. <laughs> we read Yakuza lover, and that one's like, like filthy on the page. And I mm-hmm. was kind of honestly waiting for that to happen here, like. I flip in the page going, okay, here's where it becomes a ladies comic because <laughs> it's that kind of comic is, is so huge here. And it's like not talked about. Like, I think, I think media for women in general is kind of underplayed and not really talked about, especially coming from Japan. And it's only because BL, like this is me going way out. So the, the certified BL experts and literal professors that listen to our podcast first off thank you secondly feel free to sound <laughs> off in the comments but bl was weird i think bl was so friggin weird to north american people that it got written up it was like two men ha- having sex for ladies amusement and this is a comic book and it's like not just a comic book like but huge like 30 percent of the market of manga in, in japan An industry like it's a yeah. it's a whole industry so that got talked about and that became like the discussion point about like lady, like what, what adult women are reading in Japan, but like hetero ladies comics are also huge here. And they are just as they, they run the line from this, which is pretty innocent to um, sexy. Let's say, uh, let's keep this, let's keep this podcast PG. I was, I'm doing real good at not swearing. There three yet, X's in that sexy. I can hear it. Sexy <laughs> comics. <laughs> and I was, I was really expecting this to become that sort of on the line of Yakuza Lover, Midnight Secretary, or the other ones that Viz have done in their adult ladies line. And it didn't. I was shocked, actually. I was flipping. I was like, oh, we get to the actual AV scene. And it's like, oh, it's kind of tastefully cropped close-up panels on her face and stuff. Oh, okay. And suddenly I realized like lightness from the cover designs to the interior, like page designs to the way she draws to the story itself is kind of the theme of this. It's like, we're not going to get too heavy into anything. We're just going to be like, yeah, sex work is work and I make a great living off of it and I'm not ashamed. And that's the only thing we're going to talk about about sex work. Like we said the thing we're going to say and then it goes on to the next one and there's like, yeah, it, it's it's a fascinatingly light comic like to, 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 to toe that line. It's funny, like when Deb read the back of the book about how he can't be seen with her because she's a porn star. I'm like, well, that's not really... Like that didn't feel super correct mm. because the, the 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 main thing is just like he just can't have like the distractions and he can't he can't be touched by anyone. Like it doesn't dig in too much into the fact that you know oh the the, the porn thing is the real problem. Well, that's a big deal in the first chapter, yeah, and the Soji chapter. Soji's yeah. introduced. Yeah, he Soji, brings yeah. that up again, but it's. I think that might be a cultural thing. I think it's just if you know mm-hmm. idols and you know Japanese culture, being spotted with an AV, like an adult video actress, is a big deal here. It's like front page news. Like this, like, because it's supposed mm-hmm. to be these completely separate industries, like this one silo of taking your clothes off, which is fine. Like, you know, the media keeps saying, but like, and then the other silo of like pure, you know, untouchable boy bands. And they, if they mm-hmm. touch, it's because something terrible has happened and, someone's been knocked up or like Yakuza. Like it's because of like the like nefarious influences. Yeah. And I think that that's like a cultural touchstone that was just like, it's there, but it you don't, you don't really have to hype it up here in this story because if you're reading this in Japan, everyone just kind of gets it is my, yeah. is my take. 
Yeah, it plays yeah. it really light. I mean, let's be honest, like working in the porn industry is not always so, you know, I'm just going to the office. I'm going to clock in and clock out and do my job. And the producer's going to say, you did a great job with this, mm. right? Like it, it, it's very sanitized. Yeah, this didn't feel like a decision between mature or immature. It was a decision between like, how far do we want to go down this path? Like, I think you're right that it was kept light. Like, because it's like, oh no, this is just like this is the setup. We don't want to go too deep into this. Mm-hmm. They, they, they actually went kind of deeper into the idol stuff with his like stalker mm-hmm. and what it takes to be an idol than the porn stuff. The porn stuff feels very, very secondary in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just happens to be her job. But I enjoyed that because it it kept it, even though sometimes it veered into darker territory. It, that kept it interesting for me, or at yeah. least it it gave it enough spice or a little little bit of seasoning of something different than yeah. just being this wacky wacky whamcom, right? Where like, oh my god, I can't even touch him, or like, oh, you know, like the part where he's he's collapsed in the hallway and he says, "Don't touch me!" Yeah, and then yeah. so she, she drags him by his by his backpack, backpack. strap. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like the ludicrous element they introduce is that they both respect each other's jobs like a lot, like mm-hmm. enough to not break their rules, but they still want to test the boundaries a little bit, which yeah, is kind yeah. of funny in a way. Mm-hmm. She's like always yeah. trying, like the wolf thing. I'm gonna do a very rare thing for Manga explaining and dis- disagree with Chip. Like I how like the wolf gag you. because mm-hmm. it shows the perfect spectrum of how horny and weird the book is gonna get. Because on the <laughs> other side is the red hot Riding Hood wolf from the cartoons. Mm, and then yeah. there's her version of the wolf and one like both are very horny but only one is like you know hooping and hollering and like wagging their tongue and stuff like that mm. <laughs> i so i like i like yeah. the wolf gag i like mm. the wolf gag it, it wasn't the wolf gag that I, was, I had issues with it was just the fact that it, the repetition of her being like we should have sex oh, like like I just kind of just kind of hitting yeah. that but I, th- I thought the wolf stuff was good so we are in agreement still <laughs> all is right with the world <laughs> i think dress him like little red riding hood too which i thought was such a cute yeah touch, yeah they like do a cute touch mm-hmm. yeah so yeah yeah, that's really good that's all i want like to it add. really is the same joke executed like in completely different ways it's kind of great mm. yeah I-, I wanted to say my favorite thing in this was milk oh yeah do tell <laughs> melon's new friend milk oh yeah <laughs> the other porn star hmm <laughs> I like it because when she was introduced, I was just kind of like, oh boy, okay, yeah, this is going to be like, she's going to be the problem character and they're going to fight over this guy. And then, no, they become like friends and they go to the concert together. But but her turn when she thinks that she could possibly, you know, like the same boy band member as her is, is so funny and so intense. Like, I can't be <laughs> friends with someone whose favorite yeah. is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked her as kind of like the the potential problem for down the line, but not for the reasons you think initially. I like her because like, there's the bit where our main character explains like her stage name is Melon Kotobuki because she mentioned she liked sushi and sweets and it's like a pun. Yeah. So is milks like, is milk one of her favorite foods? Yeah. Right. Her last name's also a pun. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I laughed out loud when they said this is our new performer milk. I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. Like, yeah, of course. Like milk's her favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was a good joke. I enjoy Sochi a lot because Sochi, yeah. Because like Midori Kun is a little, little dense. He's sweet but dense, but mm-hmm. not in the same way that like in shonen manga, harem manga, where the 
the boy is dumb and you're like, what does any girl see in this guy, mm. right? <laughs> With this one, it's like, oh, no, I get why she likes him. He's hot dumb. He's hot dumb. He's a himbo. He's hot dumb. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, but he's he's kind and he has some he has some balance. And let's not forget, he's so fun. He's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone, uh, I wanted to ask, you know, you want to call out, if you haven't already, your laugh out loud moment, like the thing that you thought was really funny in this book. Oh, the milk thing for sure. <laughs> the part where they watch her porno together. <laughs> yeah, that whole oh, sequence yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like Tell the whole more. time I was like, this is an amazing seduction trick because it's so obvious that like, it feels like a trap, you know? Mm. Yeah. But he's so innocent that it just sort of like bounces off his defenses. Yeah. <laughs> and when he's like, I need to go and watch this alone at home. I was like, wow, they are really going there with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he's so, um, he's so amazed. Like, I saw you completely, I saw you completely naked now. And she goes, well, this yeah. is porn. You get naked. That's how it works. <laughs> And it's, it's the funny little details that the the roses are black in the background all of a sudden. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, bit where he gives her notes on like how to perform and like to turn on her audience more, I also thought was really funny. Like that whole yeah. the whole concept is just out of this world. Super good. Mm, yeah, for sure. I liked that a lot and I wanted like and not in a funny way, but I wanted more of that. Like he is thick. He's a dull he's a dull lad, but he has like an insane depth of knowledge. He's portrayed as having an insane depth of knowledge about his field. And it's like, oh, like I kind of wanted it to be closer to an explainer manga because that's the manga I've been enjoying the most. <laughs> it's like, I want to learn more about boy bands. And I, we got little bits of it, but it was still really, really light. And I would have liked yeah. more of that. But a funny scene that I laughed out loud with was, he's the least popular member. Isn't that just adorable? <laughs> talking about how Shoji Kun is like, just like so <laughs> annoying no one likes him it's like uh he's he's really good at english his toic score is over 900 but he's still unpopular in like heart emoji <laughs> like it's just this idea that like this dude that was kind of crappy to midori or was crappy to um oh what's her name sorry uh uh our lead misaki misaki yeah misaki. It, melon was crappy to melon, in melon. The previous <laughs> chapter. it turns out he's the least popular member of the band so it's like a way to kind of get back at him a little bit but then milk is yeah, so yeah. into it it's just like the little little scroll above her head that says the many forms of love that killed me that was like, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that was perfect i loved her explanation where she goes midori is a gateway member Settling for Midori could is like going to Universal Studios and only looking at the globe at the entrance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, all I, I I chuckled at almost all the milk scenes of her explaining stuff. Mm. Mm. It like even like stands and ships and all that, like just so frantic trying to get this information out there. It's it was very funny. The fan joke didn't go where I thought it was going to go with bang and oh. wink. Wink. Oh, really? Yeah. Wink. Yeah. I totally thought they were going to do like a wordplay on Bang, which I think is oh. like an actual BTS song. By the I way. see. It is an actual BTS yeah. song. Oh, hey. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a sex thing. Bang. Yeah. But the part where he gets like the porn moves too fast for him in terms of plot. 
like that. I think <laughs> yeah. is my favorite joke. <laughs> That's also really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like he's like legit, like confuddled, you know. Oh, confuddled. confuddled. I love that. Is that a word? That's a, that's a brand new word. I love that. We're going to find out. Uh, I love it. That's so, that's, yeah. that's so perfect, too. Yeah. That's so Midori Kun. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we could kind of go around and get some final thoughts on this one. I and mean, if you would recommend it to anyone and who you might recommend it to. Hmm. Let's start with Chris because I've heard from you in a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. I, I would totally recommend this, but I, with the caveat that it's like, it doesn't fully explore any of the ideas it brings forward. It's really a rom-com. I was thinking actually, when I was, when I was reading the third volume, I can't remember who referenced it, but Moonlighting, a Sybil Shepherd, Bruce oh. Willis, we referenced it mm-hmm. in one of the episodes, I think the season or last. I think it was you and Chip. Yeah, I think it was, it I mean, it has to be right. Chip because yeah. we're both old. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like that like will they won't they they have a sort of like fun edgy relationship they don't really work together but they see each other when they're at home like but they're in the same field like yeah it kind of gave me those kind of vibes and it's like kind of but the lightest possible version of that it's like it's like it's like a television it's like a thursday night you know, NBC 8 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. It comes on in between Friends and Frasier version of an adult video actress and a version <laughs> of like a boy band singer. And that's that's kind of fine. Yeah, I love that this kind of, as Steph said, like cows eating grass manga exists. Like this is going to be someone's like <laughs> thing that they eat while like, I'm sorry, I'm in Tokyo right now. So let me say this is going to be the manga that someone is like, reading while they're sitting at the Starbucks waiting for their friend to arrive and they are both super young and fashionable and 20. And it's like, oh, milk got even crazier this you know chapter. I don't know what's going to happen. And then they talk about <laughs> something else. It's that kind of manga. And it's the kind of thing that's missing, I think, a lot of the times from North American comics, that kind of like easy... I have arguments about this all the time with, with learned comics professionals. But yeah, I think, I think North American comics is missing this kind of book. So there's this essay by Kim Thompson, uh, the late Kim Thompson, who was one of the co-founders of Fanographics with Gary Groth. It's up on the Comics Journal website. It's called A Modest Proposal. More crap is what we need. And this was released in the early <laughs> okay, 2000s. I remember this. And it's yeah, yeah. this idea that there's like a mushy middle of like just of of like the 830 slot between Friends and Frasier of comics that exists in the really successful comics industries, which is the Franco-Belgian industry, the Japanese industry, the Korean industry now. And it doesn't exist in North America because that mushy middle that would be the like entryway, like light comics reading is almost exclusively taken up by superheroes, which is like so codified Mm -hmm. and has its own like things you've got to figure out to start reading superhero comics a lot of time that it, it doesn't exist. And he brings up a couple of, ideas of what those books might be uh <laughs> which is funny i won't get it to, he's he's pretty derisive like i don't know it's the comics journal at the height of its being derisive about other kinds of yeah. comics days so like it doesn't not every aspect of the essay holds up but the the core idea is like there's this kind of gateway comic that we just don't have in english a lot of the time and manga i think is really filling those gaps with not just books like this mm-hmm. but shoujo and shonen stuff you know, reasonably relatable starting point situations that kind of get fantastical as they go. And it's, it's really enjoyable and it's not art comics. It's not like pretentious and not an overly scripted and like overly intense. And it's not, you know, like 
dumb comics or 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 either like where it's just like there's nothing going on you just need something that's like you know a, a seven out of ten movie that you go to see Th- three and a half stars raids roger ebert like that kind of thing <laughs> and it exists it exists in every other industry that's successful because that's how you keep people i'm going to petition the eisner awards to have a cows eating grass award cows eating grass <laughs> award like just it yeah just for that just for that level i, I think of it as a bachelor show from futurama just like the like basic level of food that is fine like you it's like dog food for you know bachelors and you just sort of add hot water and eat it out of a bowl like it's like meaty cereal and bachelor and chow is yeah 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 that's that's like my go-to bachelor chow. for like oh my god i'm i gotta i gotta work i just gotta go to the store and get something to eat and not think about it so my current bachelor chow is spaghetti bolognese that's available at every every 7-eleven and family mart in both tokyo and taiwan <laughs> so uh, i'm set it's like yeah, it's three bucks. It's totally dinner. <laughs> Great. Spice it up with a little hot sauce and a lot of little grated Parmesan cheese. And I then sit back at the computer and keep working, you know, and then make up for it later in the week with like a nice, like a real meal. But for, for Bondesine, by the way, best bachelor child book that I love, which is such a mean, mean thing to say. There's a series of books called Monsieur Jean by Philippe Puy and Charles Barbarian. And it's just like this middle-aged dude that just is kind of hanging out. He's doing stuff. He has a relationship. It doesn't work out. He goes to the country. Fantastic. D&Q published, I think, three or four story, like volume stories of them. Did not catch on here. Everyone's like, why do I care about this middle-class French guy eating at nice restaurants? Like, F this book. I don't care about this. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's hard to argue with, actually. But there's something about there's something about it. And it's it's beautiful, too. It's actually the cartooning and the, the color is really beautiful. But yeah, mushy middle. And this is like, so that and i love it and i'm actually i want to read the next volume now if it ever whenever it comes out so that was a very long-winded explanation to say oh that's that's pretty (laughs) good seven out of ten i'd read the next one (laughs) so that's my thought anybody else anybody else got a final thought who wants to go next (laughs) i was gonna say i forgot what my take was because chris talked for so long (laughs) 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 no that was super good I honestly can't follow that, but I think that this was super funny. There's a panel of her like angrily changing the channels on TV while cooking. And it's like just great cartooning. Yeah. Yeah. Super good vibes. And the book is full of little bits like that. I do wish the porn aspect was a little stronger Mm. versus the idol aspect, because I think that's like equally interesting. You know, how does this guy live as an idol and not seem to have any emotions? And how does she live as a porn star? And like, what's fulfilling about it? Why did she choose it? I imagine they'll get there at some point, Mm. but it feels like a book for idol fans right now. Not that it should be for porn fans, but you know, like a little mixing it up is always fun. Stories like this. Yeah, because her job could literally be anything in this, really. Like, and it wouldn't wouldn't change the story that much. Mm. So, yeah. Like she could do lighting on porn sets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with David. I retroactively cede my time to Chris. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, in that case, I didn't even talk about the art, which I wanted to talk about. No. Uh, uh, the art? Sorry. You guys talked about the art. I just want like a tiny little bit about the art. Sure. It is yeah. serviceable. There's a couple of nice, like really like nice, you know, air quotes, nice illustrations, but it's serviceable all the way out. But it has so much more personality 
than a lot of stuff in this space that I, that was what was so surprising to me about the artwork is that like yeah there's some stuff where she doesn't quite nail the illustrations that are on the page she's not like Aruko who did um my love story my, yeah, oh my one. love makes up my love yeah. makes up but like it's it's good but it is like definitely first book and she relies a little bit on too much on tropes but it's so interesting i kind of loved that i loved the faces i loved the little insets she's got great comedic timing which for a Jose manga, again, was not expecting. It's like, yeah. it's just so fun. But also like Chip was saying, it's light as like, it, like not just light, but like, yeah, it's, it, it's fun, but I'm not like, there's nothing there that you have to, you have to seek this book out for it. Anyway. Okay. Now I'm done for real. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, t- that'll teach Deb <laughs> to say, I haven't heard from you for a while. All right, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, quickly, my final thought are, as we discussed the book, I actually liked it even more than when I came in. Mm. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, because the jokes, like, the more I think it was the jokes, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, it's actually it's actually a lot funnier than I, I gave it credit for. So I, I might actually keep reading just to kind of see where it goes. I will say that if you pick up volume three, it's really fun because they introduced the cute one, the cute member of the band, and the he adds a little spice to the mix, which is right. great. And it makes you go, like, oh, I wonder how the other two guys are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a fun little ensemble comedy that just kind of builds. I mean, I'm, for a lot of these books, I mean, we can bring up Yakuza Lover because that's the one we, can all, we all read. I mean, usually the girls are dumb as bricks or they're, they're just suckers for abuse or whatever. Or they're just like, ah, oh, I just want to slap you. This one, no. I actually liked her a lot. I mm-hmm. like that she was, she was, you know, I mean, sure, she she had some personal problems with her family, and that's, you know, and she chose porn, but because porn let her make a good living, mm. and she's matter-of-fact about it, you know, she's not messed up about her work, or she's not ashamed of it, which I thought was fun. I mean, a lot of times why I read Boys Love is because the characters are equals versus this what tends to happen in a lot of this Jose stuff is like the girl has to be kind of stupid or kind of weak or is kind of constrained, you know, needs to be rescued or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's so boring. Yeah. So this one, I loved how it, it embraced its tropes and has fun with it. Like I, like I read volume one. I thought, oh, this is cute. I'm enjoying this. And then came the last page of volume one. And then it was like, I'm sold. You got me. <laughs> the part with the roses, like, the roses became characters. Yeah. And the yeah. roses like, I love that. <gasps> yeah. Like when you get tricked into loving something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then there was a, the other side story where it's like one of the, one of the running jokes between them is that they both like this frog character when they were kids. Mm, yeah. And so Midori-kun goes and buys her one of the, the frog character notebooks. And then she goes, you're yanking my chain, aren't you? Like she's like so pissed off at him <laughs> for buying her this notebook, and then the the backstory is him actually going to a Yonryo store, Sanrio. San means three, oh, and so Yon one. is four, yeah. so it's a Yonryo <laughs> store. And then it's a cat. It's made after Kero Kero P, which is the frog character. Mm. So that's all this play off of that, and that's so how he went through all this trouble to go to the Yonryo store to buy this fr- frog notebook, and she's like. What the hell is this? <laughs> it's this whole story about how he feels un- like, oh, he's unappreciated for all the work he put in. So I love her sense of humor. And I think mm-hmm. it's really delightful. And it's, 
it's smarter than it looks. <laughs> yeah. In that, you know, and that like makes fun of like boy band tropes and it makes fun of shoujo manga tropes and characterists. You know, every time you think, oh, it's going to go down this route where the new younger porn star is going to be a rival for Midori kun, it's like, no, not at all. So yeah. the creator's very aware of the tropes and just kind of goes, psych, here's a left turn <laughs> <laughs> and has fun with it. Yeah. I just find this. I've been recommending it to people who are like, oh, I want more Jose manga. It's like, go read this one. I think you'll, it's, it's not too heavy, slightly sexy, but it's just a joy. Like I've read it over and over again. I just, and now I want to go back again because I didn't notice that little scene where the dog goes, I knew. That's <laughs> <laughs> cute. There are two so, hilarious drawings of dogs in this book. Oh, like what's the other one? The dog shows up. There's one earlier where I think he mentions his family dog, maybe, and it's like a mm. ludicrous drawing. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find it for the show. <laughs> that was our take on The Untouchable Midori-kun. We will be back right after this, and I think we're picking some more books. Mm. Let's see what happens. Okay, and we are back, and it is that magical time in manga explaining when we recommend. Three more books that Chip will either like, kind of like, or be deeply regretful that we chose. <laughs> but we'll make him like it. We'll make him read it anyway. Never love, though, I noticed. Mm, yeah, well, you're, you're, you're a tough sell. That's true. <laughs> love is That's fake. True. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> David, how you doing? You all right there, bud? Yeah. <laughs> I'm great. How are y'all? <laughs> let's, let's see what kind of book David picks this week. Oh, let's yeah. see. <laughs> oh, wait. You, you spoiled it. We're picking books. Deb didn't even say we're picking books yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I did say that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, she, I, she knows she where my it. head's at. Yeah. Sorry. D- <laughs> David's saying love is fake obliterated my brain. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You're a. Uh, how many. Love how much it. shoujo manga do I have to shove down your throat until you stop being so cynical? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to. It's like a shoujo. black hole of non emotion. <laughs> oh. Don't make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. let's see. Who goes first? How about David? Since David seems prepared. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to bring out the big guns. And oh. Chip, do you remember the issue of Daredevil where Inferno happened and he just kind of walked through the city and there was like the, the dentist who was controlled by a demon and the mailbox, that kind of thing? The mailbox, the vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah. All, all the yeah. hits. Yeah. So imagine if Inferno happened in New York City and then it just kind of stayed and people went about their daily lives living <laughs> alongside all these demons and stuff. <laughs> uh, amazing. And that is Blood Blockade Battlefront by Yasuhiro oh. who is mostly known for doing Trigun in the 90s. It was a very popular anime on Adult Swim. It just recently had a like a reimagining, like an ultimate Trigun kind of anime called Trigun Stampede. And all that kind of being in the air sent me back. I reread Trigun, the manga, and I was like, oh, I'll just roll right into Blood Blockade Battlefront and have a good time with it. And I was surprised by how pleasant it was. So I thought I should bring it to manga explaining because it also kind of doesn't have a plot. Like it's it's more right. about the setting than the overall story, I would say. Mm. And the setting yeah. is really fun. Kind of like a really demonic, other dimensional New York City. So is this going to be like, is this like a volume one kind of deal? Yeah, volume one will get you, you'll get the gist, let's say. Okay. There's yeah. four chapters in it, maybe like 30, 50 pages each. It's like a pretty good chunk of stuff. All right. 
fun drawings. It's a guy who's influenced by Mobius and Todd McFarlane. So there's like lots of meat in there for you. Mm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Blood Blockade Battlefront, Volume 1. By Mobius and McFarlane. Wow. You can really see it in some of the designs, too. I can send you some pictures of stuff. It's it's a trip. All right. I like it. Who's next? I'll jump in. I'm going to pick something I haven't read because I really want to I really want to read this and again the the show is how I make time to read things that aren't immediately for work and you really liked <laughs> Tatsuki Fujimoto's Look Back a lot which was mm-hmm. good I think we all really enjoyed that one and then we read Chainsaw Man at the beginning of the season and we were all like oh that's pretty good but it's it's maybe not quite as strong as Look Back and it did happen 11 volumes before he did to it or he got to it but when he did Look Back he did another short story at the same time well in a similar time frame that was like a done in one one shot story and it's called Goodbye Airy and I was like I want to read that it's not coming out in print until June but why don't we do an episode that'll come out around the same time as the manga actually launches it's still available Whoa. on the Shonen Jump app to read for free if you have a subscription or with the three bucks a month or whatever it is now, they raised the price from two bucks a month. And I thought, Ooh. you know, I think that's a nice short story. I think Chip will appreciate me not picking 500 pages of books for for a change. <laughs> and I want to read it. So let's let's do a selfish pick. And I think he might even like it because he liked the other stuff What's, by what, this dude. Called Goodbye, What's Aerie. it about? I have no idea. It's a picture of a girl taking oh, a selfie right. on the cover. It's by the guy I like. Well, all right. one of the many guys I like. It's about filmmaking. Oh, about filmmaking. Mm. Ah, uh, he is a right, big, there you go. big film nerd, so maybe it's about... Yeah. That's my pick. Yeah. All right. Deb, what's yours? Okay, well, you remember when we read Invitation of a Crab? Invitation mm-hmm. to a Crab? And it was kind of like more of this indie manga, and it was kind of surreal and about this dream world, but didn't quite make sense, but it was really fascinating to look at. Mm-hmm. And I kept referring to it as being just like Screw-style Nejishiki. And you're probably thinking, what is she talking about? Well, I'm going to give you the opportunity to read the book. What's It's one. It's a short story, and the collection is of several short stories by this master of independent comics in Japan. He's, he's kind of like if Robert Crumb traveled around the countryside and was depressed and had very violent sex with women. Which is kind of Robert Crumb. Oh, but- Except in Chicago, <laughs> yeah. for it. is it Chester Burns? Brown. It's Smith like it's Brown. like if uh, it's like if Robert Crumb without the bum obsession. Oh, okay, mm. the big so, the oh, big sorry. obsession. So, you, so it's Robert Crumb, but you're taking away the thing I like the most about Robert Crumb. <laughs> ah, but see, what's really interesting about this is that the the title story is kind of like this dream sequence where this guy walks around town. He's, his arm is bleeding and he tries to find a doctor. But when he walks around this town, all he sees are eye doctors. He goes, no, I need a, I need a gynecologist. And we don't know why. <sighs> it's got a lot of really stunning scenes that are like, wait, how does it segue from this to that to this? It, it probably is one of the best representations of what it feels like to be in a dream. Okay. It's disturbing, but beautiful. The creator, he's really singular. He's influenced so many other independent comics creators since it's really special he for years he was in raw magazine like a few handful of stories including the the title story here cool including the title story but he refused to be published in english until very recently Hmm. and he hasn't drawn since i think the 80s 
Oh, wow. But he is revered as a legend, like just an incredible artist who has an incredible vision. So he has a really interesting story to tell. And his style, I think you have to see it at least once. It's really revolutionary. Okay. Interesting. Um, All right. This is a tough one. David knows me. He understands my soft spot for Anne Nascente, John Romita Jr., Al Williamson, Daredevil. So by pitching it <laughs> as that. <laughs> and also because Mobius meets McFarlane, which I've got to see. So Blood Blockade Battlefront is going to be my number one choice. Mm. Ooh, nice. Deb, Robert Crumb, but no butts. You, you, you have ruined your chances there by saying <laughs> without the butt thing. So screw Styles in last. <laughs> and goodbye, Ari is in second because very intrigued by that. All right. But they're all they're all strong picks this time out. I want to I want to give you guys positive reinforcement uh, and let you know that <laughs> I quite enjoyed these picks already. Oh, thank you. I was thinking Yay. that. Deb's description of Suge almost sounds like like a dark Bill Watterson. Oh wow! Know, like an oh, alternate universe Bill yeah. Watterson. Oh, That's not a bad David recommendation. David, you're good at selling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's a master. I can't. I can't even come close to the book talking. I think. I think. I think David may have just knocked Chris down to third place. <laughs> <laughs> Chris just gave us the finger. Um, by us, I mean me. I, I don't know what you're talking so, about, Your Honor. so our podcast listeners <laughs> understand what we have to deal with oh, here. Among Am I second or third? I need to put it in the show notes. You're document. second. You're right, second. Fine. You're second. Monster. <laughs> Permanent now. Monster. This last set of books takes us three quarters into season four. And nice. we, we are we're coming up on... I think we're coming up on our hundredth episode. Ooh. Yeah, what the what's Michael Garfield Heathcliff episode is number one hundred. <laughs> Good, that's Epic. Wow. Epic to me. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. All right, maybe we can have like a quick shout out, go around. Mm. Yeah, I can about, start. Go ahead. So, as a kid, my mom did not let me watch The Simpsons because Bart Simpson was a bad influence. And now that I'm almost 40 years old, I'm finally watching The Simpsons from back to front. Oh, wow. Whoa. Very beginning. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know how many jokes that everyone tells every day of my life were stolen from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm <laughs> learning on this trip through. <laughs> so that's my shout out. The Simpsons. It's pretty good. It's going places. <laughs> I showed Andrew a bunch of The Simpsons in the same way. And he's like, that's where that's from? And I'm like, wait. But it wasn't that's where that's from. It yeah. was, Wait. Did the Simpsons copy other people, or is this where this joke is from? Because he didn't know. And it's like, no, the Simpsons Simpsons mm. did it. Simpsons did it. Which is itself now a reference. Even like, what is it? The Dr. Zayas Planet of the Apes song? Oh my did? god, oh, I love god. that. Yes. It kills me. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many jokes where I'm like, this is, how does anyone get this many good episodes in a row? You know? <laughs> Just wait yeah. till season 13, so and you'll be like, oh, that's how it ends. It ends eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so have you, have you watched the monorail episode yet? Yeah, so no. I'd seen Monorail. I saw that before this current run. Like, there were like okay. a handful I saw as a kid. There was like a Treehouse of Horror that I saw as a kid. Monorail, yeah. I knew. That was still pretty funny. But it's not yeah. even like the funniest Simpsons or the funniest no, episode. No, no. No, it's not the funniest Simpsons, but it's the one that really kind of like encapsulates the town. Mm. Like, that's that's yeah. the episode where you're just like, oh, okay, now I, I understand Springfield. <laughs> The one where yeah. they have the immigration episode, where they're like, we should be kinder to our immigrants, like they're, you know, 
friends and family like we are yeah. and the scottish guy gets deported at the end and no one cares <laughs> amazing <laughs> joke <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah. good very scrappy <laughs> young show and also i love how poorly drawn the first couple seasons are like it's yeah, yeah. like they're so off model and weird looking you know yeah it feels like it's one person doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> just winging it <laughs> Even before the first season, go back and check out it, it. Simpsons was originally shorts on the Tracy Ullman show. I don't know if Disney Plus has any of those shorts or not. Yeah, there's a clip show that has some yeah. of those. Yeah, and it's yeah. like those early drawings are like kind of awesome in like how dashed yeah. off feeling that they are. Oh, they're so fun. Yeah, even the voices are different. It's 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 wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good time. Good so shout out, The a, Simpsons. <laughs> who has a more recent shout out than, you know, 30 years ago? Uh, I've got the newest <laughs> possible shout out. It's so new, it's oh, really? Shin, and that's Shin Kamen Rider, which I got to see in the theater. Oh, shit, you watched oh. it? Here ah, in Tokyo. So jealous. <laughs> I was with Kamen Rider superfan Eric Ko. So we read Kamen Rider, we read the like big chunkin' hardcover, and this is just an adaptation of the first three quarters of that hardcover maybe the first the first like the whole like the original shotaro ishinomori stories it is like adaptation and like barely a modernization so ano directed it who did evangelion and who did shin godzilla it is a wild movie i it has it is so charmingly lo-fi like anytime they're on bikes, there's like no CG. They're just riding common rider motorcycles through the forest and through like weird industrial Japanese like Inaka wastelands. It's wow. And then they'll have like a fight scene that'll be that'll take place clearly in a studio, but it's like and it looks a little bit like a Kabuki Cho Den of Inequity kind of a situation where he's like fighting the bumblebee girl or it it's a weird <laughs> I it has an it's a weird movie. It's a weird weird movie that i think is so has no hollywood gloss that's the other thing you watch like a you watch a new marvel movie and it's like so cgi and like so all the rough edges are kind of buffed out but you watch like iron man and you can kind of see where they're they're learning what the formula is that's a completely separate world of film to this movie like it i don't even know how to explain it but it's like he, it's like he looked at everything Hollywood was doing and was going, I am not interested. And so it's not a reaction to that. And it's it's just like, yeah. I've got this vision of Common Rider in my head. Here we go. And it's very pure on the on the screen. And there's a sequence with no spoilers where a sad monologue is delivered. The guy next to me just broke down crying. Like, it was what? so <laughs> sad to him as like a lifelong Common Rider fan that he was just like actual tears. Like... Wow. It was in Japanese. I, I got like one one hundredth of what was being said. <laughs> My Japanese is not good enough to watch Shin Kamen Rider, but like, David, you've got to see it. You've got to see this because as, yeah. as a piece of film, as a counterpoint to Shin Godzilla, it's fascinating. And Deb, when you did you, you didn't get to see it when you were here, right? No, I was so sad because I wanted to be around when that big hype happened. I was on a train yesterday, mm. three weeks in, three weeks in or four weeks in, still decorated entirely in Shin Kamen Rider posters. It was it was weird. Like so sad. So it's huge here. And every week they have a new giveaway at the theater. So when I was there, I got a like a a signed, like a like a reproduction shikishi signed by all the actors in the movie with like the common writer illustration. The week before there was trading cards. 
I think this week, if you go, wow. you get a poster. So it encourages repeat That's visits. amazing. Yeah. Japanese movie. The Japanese yeah. so smart. cinema experience. I went to see the My Hero Academia movie in theaters here, the first one. They gave me a whole ass manga. They gave me a like 140 page, <laughs> like My Hero Academia volume zero manga for buying a $19 like ticket to go see this film. Like movie going here, movie going here is next level. And then here you go. The Deb's got the program. For Blue Giant, and it's like an actual old style movie program, but it looks like a record. We'll put photographs in the show notes. That's really cool. Like that's it's awesome. A, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it. wild. Like going to the movies here. If you ever get a chance and you're you have any idea what's going on, <laughs> and I I could follow the whole thing. I I probably missed a lot of the sub- subtleties of what was going on due to the lack of language skill. But yeah, it's the exact Ishinomori manga, but like on the screen, but not. Hollywood and it swings back and forth so wildly. Yeah, I'm still processing that movie going experience, but I know I have to see it again uh, with subtitles this time if I can find it. Maybe if I get to Taiwan, it'll have subtitles. There was actually a clip that got released the week after it came out where it shows Kamen Rider just being the hell out of a, the bunch of guys from Shocker. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's blood spurting everywhere. Yeah. It's like, whoa. That's the first That's the first three minutes. And it was so violent yeah, exactly. that I thought he was trying to make like a commentary on what was going on in Hollywood cinema. Like, like, oh, all these punches and hits with these superheroes and like nothing ever really happens to him. But you punch a guy in the face and you've got like superhuman strength. You're going to shatter his face. Like it's going to be a Mark Miller comic. You know what I mean? Nope. It's just the movie. It's just like- Every once in a while, there's like extraordinary, like bright red blood soaked violence. And then it goes into like the next thing. And it, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Shit Common Writer. You got to see it. There's something going on there, especially if you listen to our Common Writer episode. Subtle plug, subtle plug. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would bring a flask to the movie theater when they have it. I will definitely be there. <laughs> uh, That's how I watched Tron. I would bought a. Flask of whiskey, and I had a I had a roaring good time. <laughs> shot every time Common Rider is sad, and you'll die by the end of the movie. It's weird movie. <laughs> uh, I think the North American release is May thirty first. Uh, They're going to do like a little limited what you know, usual thing. <gasps> yeah. Oh, so. I am so there. <laughs> Chip, do you have any shoutouts? Because I I flew to and from Barcelona, I got to watch movies on the flight. So I actually got to consume nice. some media. On the way there, I watched Bros. Oh, you the watched Billy it, right? Eichner, uh, gay rom com. Yeah, it's, there's some good stuff in there. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. I don't know if Billy Eichner. I don't know if Billy Eichner is the uh, charismatic lead that we want him to be. But I will say, watching watching a movie with a, a gay a threesome on an airplane screen is a lot of fun. Yes, as <laughs> as they're serving you dinner. And then on the way back, I watched Tar, the Kate Blanchett movie. Oh, I want to see that so bad. Which is amazing. It's so good. And I really need you to see. I need all of you to see it so we can talk about it. <laughs> okay. Because the ending, the ending is very much in our wheelhouse. It's very, yeah, Ooh. it's awesome. It's really good. The All I know about the movie is basically the ending, which is about, I'll bleep this for the Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So yeah, wow. those are my shout outs. Taking a flight and watching a couple movies. <laughs> That's the first time you've done that 
in a little while. Yeah, like you've flown overseas, and it's true. that's your first. This your first trip out of Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. I've gone back and forth during COVID from West Coast to Toronto, mm. but yeah, it's my first overseas flight. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And and somebody died on my flight, so yeah. So maybe it was a bad sign. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, never again. <laughs> These guys know about it. I'm not going to tell everyone, but yeah, it was it was it was an experience. After I watched Bros, uh, well, at least it was after because that would make a real weird ending yeah. to that movie. It's true. <laughs> I've been trying to sue Bros to get a little bit of their profits, just on you know trademark reasons. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> nothing going so far. <laughs> uh, uh, Deb, what's your shout out? What's your shout out? Well. I was going to shout out something, but I'll save it for next week for the villainous episode because there is this one webtoon I've been reading that I swear to God, it made me throw money down and I wasted a whole day reading it. So, <laughs> But I'll save it for next week because it, <laughs> it matches beautifully with the villainous story. So instead, I like the foreshadowing. What wow. shall I write about? Um, mm, well, I bought another boy's love manga <laughs> called Midnight Rain. All right. Two guys down under luck and they hook up in a laundromat. It is really sexy. It's a one volume. And I love the artist comment, which is there's a lot of facial hair in this manga. Please enjoy. Uh, <laughs> I know their audience. Wow. <laughs> it's by That's a Korean great. artist, which is interesting. CPK. Oh. It's interesting because whenever Jenny at Sublime is asked, why don't you publish more Korean comics? She says, because we don't have those relationships. Mm. But if it's published in Japanese first, then we can do it. Mm, okay. And so mm. this is one of them. It's cute. And there's this whole scene where the guy is holding the other guy and his shirts up. And then they have a little omake cartoon in the back where he's like holding up the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying something kind of like, am I going to take his shirt off or am I putting it on? Which do you think it is? And the other guy goes, I'm freezing, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this other lo- lovely scene where the cat in the manga is biting the guy's head. Which I can, a cat. Oh, I can definitely relate to. <laughs> anyway, it's a delightful, It's it looks really heavy, It's but it's I think it's a nice, interesting read. It's a little heavier than Midori-kun, but scratches at it. <laughs> wow, what a euphemism. <laughs> We've read a BL in a while, actually. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that one looks good. There's a lot of facial If you guys are up for it, I can always find more. I was going to say, yeah, you prudes just never recommend them. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right. Game on, bro. (laughs) Game on. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, that was a fun-filled episode of Manga Splaining. Stick around for more next week when we are going to go down to the land of villainesses. Stay tuned. This has been Manga Splaining, episode number 97, The Untouchable Midori-kun by Toyo Toyota. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga version of My Life as a Villainous, All Paths Lead to Doom by Satoru Yamaguchi. Want to pick up a copy? Check out a comic and manga specialty shop near you using comicshoplocator.com, or check your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com, and check out our newsletter and digital publishing company at mangasplainingextra.com. 
Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.